Hello, everyone. Welcome back to all my listeners. Hope you're all having a great day so far. And if this is your first time finding me, thanks so much and welcome. Welcome to episode four of my third season. Today is Wednesday, May 26th, 2021. My name is Sanal Patel, and this is the Paint the Medical Picture podcast series. Now, I just wanted to thank all my fabulous guests these past seasons. It's amazing to hear their stories, share their insights with all of you. I know we all want to make an impact in the work we perform and really make a difference towards great change, change for the better in this space of healthcare. And I love that I have an incredible array of folks in my back pocket, professionals and friends in my circle. Every one of them makes impact and holds tremendous value. I'm humbled and grateful that this podcast has already propelled into the top 15 medical billing and coding podcasts to keep your eyes on in 2021. So thank you to all my listeners for all your continued support. Apple Podcasts has also charted me at my highest ever in the U.S. at number 65 with my last episode. So great job, Brian Kui. Great job. I also broke into the top 100 U.S. charts twice. Let's not forget Nexon Pruitt attorney Shannon Lippum's interview on HIPAA back in season two ranked this podcast at number 95. Just amazing, amazing work. Now, I keep diving into those smart audits and keep sharing all my compliance tips. I'm still exhausted with these. They're never ending. There's simply so much under scrutiny, but there's a light at the end. This week, I get into DRG for thyroid, parathyroid, and thyroglossal procedures. And I also discuss highlights from the month of May's criminal and civil enforcement cases involving fraud, waste, and abuse. And I round out today's episode with a remarkable note on journeys from the ancient Greek god Prometheus. If you've checked me out on LinkedIn, you know I'm all about compliance and protecting our physicians and valued healthcare professionals when it comes to the business of medicine. I hope this week with me brings you enough to take back to your organizations, to want to dive in deeper, to use my tips and best practices to ensure success. I hope this podcast will help you boost the quality of documentation capture and improve coding accuracy as you help your providers paint the medical picture. If you like what you're hearing, go ahead and hit that subscribe button now so you don't miss another episode. Please write in a review and drop me a five-star rating on Apple Podcast or wherever you listen to my podcast. I'd really love your support. As always, a friendly disclaimer. Remember, I am bringing you the current industry healthcare news, my compliance tips and recommendations based on my over 10 years of experience in front office, backend, coding, and billing for multi-specialty physicians, compliance, and auditing for both ENM and surgical operative reports. These are my opinions alone and are not to be construed as legal advice. So let's get into Newsworthy, the month's fraud, waste, and abuse cases. The month of May saw 38 cases as of the recording of this episode. Early May saw a major pharmaceutical company agreeing to pay over $300 million to resolve allegations of false and aggressive marketing tactics to promote opioid misuse, which led, of course, to improper expenditures of state Medicaid funds. There was also a case involving a university that agreed to pay 
over $20 million to resolve allegations that it violated the False Claims Act by ordering medically unnecessary laboratory tests and submitting false claims through its laboratory and off-campus hospital-based facilities. There was even a case involving a national provider of pharmacy services to long-term care facilities that has agreed to pay the United States over $2 million to resolve allegations that it violated federal law and so much more by allowing opioids and other controlled substances to be dispensed without valid prescriptions. There were also many of the usual suspects like kickbacks, bribery schemes, fraudulent DME billing, and money laundering. But I'd like to highlight two cases that I find most interesting. First, this case involves a neurosurgeon and two medical device companies, both owned by the surgeon, that have agreed to pay over $4 million to resolve False Claims Act or FCA allegations relating to illegal payments to induce the use of certain medical devices in violation of the anti-kickback statute, as well as claims for medically unnecessary surgeries. Now, the medical device companies agreed to pay an additional $100,000 in penalties to settle allegations that they violated the open payments program by failing to report to CMS their ownership interests, as well as payments made to the neurosurgeon. The settlement resolves allegations that over the course of nearly 10 years, the companies knowingly and willfully engaged in three kickback schemes to allow the surgeon to profit from his use of over a dozen devices in his medical procedures. Now, the first kickback scheme alleged that the companies paid profit distributions in exchange for the neurosurgeon using the company's devices in his spinal surgeries. Now, the second kickback scheme alleged that one company acted as a distributor, reselling other manufacturers' spinal devices and splitting the profits with the neurosurgeon when he used those devices in his surgeries. And the third kickback scheme alleged that the neurosurgeon solicited and received kickbacks from one medical device manufacturer in exchange for using its infusion pumps, which are implantable devices used to deliver medication to patients. Now, this company allegedly paid the kickbacks to the neurosurgeon through a restaurant he owned in the form of, of course, lavish meals and, of course, alcohol for himself, of course, and his friends, of course, his colleagues and his business partners as well. In addition, the settlement resolves allegations that the neurosurgeon knowingly submitted false claims to federal health care programs for medically unnecessary procedures using the devices in which he had a financial interest. Now, despite receiving numerous warnings that he was performing medically unnecessary procedures, including warnings from his own physician colleagues, he allegedly continued to perform such procedures while personally profiting from his use of those devices sold by those companies. Wow. Now, the second case also involves the neurosurgical specialty. Here, a neurosurgical group agreed to pay $10 million to resolve civil allegations that they violated the FCA, the False Claims Act. Now, in December of 2020, the settlement resolves allegations that they billed Medicare for certain doubly and triply concurrent and overlapping surgeries, which are, of course, in violation of applicable regulations and reimbursement policies. Also newsworthy here 
and contemporaneous with the settlement of the FCA claims, the neurosurgical group also entered into a corporate integrity agreement, a CIA, with HHS and OIG. Now, the five-year CIA addresses the conduct at issue and requires, among other things, that this neurosurgical group maintain a compliance program, implement a risk assessment program, and hire an independent review organization to annually review the group's Medicare and Medicaid claims. Wow, that's unbelievable. So the showcase pieces this month definitely underscore the importance of medical necessity required for all services rendered, as well as understanding and following Medicare regulations and surgical reimbursement policies. Now, let's not forget the month of May also saw a COVID-19 task force that was developed by the Department of Justice, our DOJ, and is to be led by the Deputy Attorney General to combat COVID-19-related fraud. So I always believe these types of fraud, waste, and abuse cases are most helpful. Take a deeper look into these reports and see how they may affect you, your provider, your facility. Start self-auditing your service claims and coordinating documentation to ensure you are meeting compliance. And stay tuned for my monthly fraud, waste, and abuse updates. They drop the last Wednesday of each month. And now, it's time for my best practice tips in Trusty Tip. Let's dive into my compliance tips here in part 12 of my smirk audits that are blasting in across the country. Now, remember, these are a part of the 16 new Unified Program Integrity Contractor, the UPIC audits, that are being conducted via the Supplemental Medical Review Contractor, the SMIRC at Noridian. Their function is to conduct nationwide medical review of Parts A, B, and DME providers and suppliers as directed by CMS. It's the responsibility of the SMIRC to review medical records and related documentation to ensure that claims are processed in accordance with CMS guidelines. Now, I provided you with details for 11 audits in prior episodes that involves durable medical equipment, or DME, supplies in non-covered skilled nursing facilities known as SNFs, spinal cord stimulators, outpatient hyperbaric oxygen therapy, also called HBOT, diabetic testing strips, or DTS, polysomnography, also called sleep studies, inpatient rehabilitation facilities, or ERFs, skilled nursing facilities, or SNFs, specimen validity, therapeutic shoes for diabetics, intravenous immune globulin, and botulinum toxins that are current audits in the SMIRC's spotlight. So let's get into part 12 of SMIRC audits. Now, the 12th is titled 01-031 DRG, thyroid, parathyroid, and thyroglossal procedures, notification of medical review. Now, Noridian SMIRC is conducting post-payment review of claims for Medicare Part A claims that include thyroid, parathyroid, and or thyroglossal procedures, which were billed on dates of service from July 1st, 2018 through December 31st of 2019. Remember, these are the time parameters. This notification also includes the reasons for the review, documentation that will be requested in the additional documentation request letter, the ADR, and resources that providers and suppliers may wish to consult with when they're submitting their claims. 
Now, some background on the why, right? Why on earth is this audit happening? So let's go over some important background details. Now, Medicare Severity Diagnosis Related Group is known as MSDRG, and it's a system used to classify various diagnoses and procedures for inpatient hospital stays so that Medicare can accurately reimburse the hospital under the Inpatient Prospective Payment System, the IPPS. Now, back in 2018, the Comprehensive Error Rate Testing, the CERT, Medicare Fee-for-Service Improper Payment Report, noted an improper payment rate of 49.1% for thyroid, parathyroid, and thyroglossal procedure MSDRGs. Now, wow, that percent is way too high, right? Way too high. So, of course, the reason for this review is critical. They are narrowing it down in scope for us, thank goodness. The scope involves Noridian Smirk performing data analysis and conducting medical record reviews. Noridian Smirk will complete data analysis and review activities in accordance with applicable statutory, regulatory, and subregulatory guidance. They are honing in on type of Bill 11X for inpatient Part A. They are also honing in on three MSDRGs. Now, the first MSDRG is MSDRG 625, which is for thyroid, parathyroid, and thyroglossal procedures with MCC. Now, an MCC is a major comorbidity and or complication. Now, the second MSDRG is MSDRG 626 for thyroid, parathyroid, and thyroglossal procedures with CC. Now, CC is also called comorbidity and or complication. And the third MSDRG is MSDRG 627, which is for thyroid, parathyroid, and thyroglossal procedures without CC or MCC, which means it's without a comorbidity and or complication, and it's without a major comorbidity and or complication. Now, of course, there are documentation requirements as well, right? I'm going to go over a list of eight specific, very specific documentation requirements that will be in your ADR letter. These are items that you will have to furnish to support your claims already paid now that you are under review with this post-payment audit. Now, the first documentation requirement is going to be those medical notes to support the patient's medical medical condition excuse me, and procedure for the billed service, which includes but is not limited to those admission notes and that history and physical exam and those progress notes and that discharge summary and those procedure notes and those consultations, everything as applicable. Now, the second documentation requirement is going to include those full detailed itemization of services, including all diagnosis codes. The third documentation requirement involves all of the physician orders to support the procedure being billed. The fourth documentation requirement involves those labs and those diagnostic reports. The fifth documentation requirement involves those legible handwritten physician and or other clinician signatures. And remember, provide signature attestations and signature logs, which should be submitted when the physician and or other clinician signatures are simply illegible. 
And the sixth documentation requirement involves a valid electronic physician and or other clinician signatures. The seventh documentation requirement involves that advanced beneficiary notice of non-coverage, that ABN form, if that's applicable. And the eighth and final documentation requirement includes any and all other documentation to support the services that were billed. So remember, these post-payment audits are a sign, right? They're a signal that something may be amiss in your documentation, your coding, and your billing. These eight requirements are a very good reminder that you should be making checklists and improving workflows and efficiencies at your practice, at your hospital, to ensure all documentation is being captured. Coding and billing are compliant for all applicable statutory and regulatory guidelines. Additional revenue, more money, is tied to MSGRGs, right? I have an inkling we will be seeing many, many more diagnosis code post-payment audits in our future. So we must be mindful that our provider's clinical documentation is capturing complete accuracy of the patient's medical condition and extended specificity in our ICD-10-CM diagnosis coding is required. So a better, smarter approach is one that's proactive and starts by painting a clear, rich, and vibrant medical picture the first time so your certified medical coder can then abstract codes with accuracy. And finally, in this week's inspiring quote in Spark is from Prometheus, the ancient Greek god of fire. Big things have small beginnings. So very true, right? I think this is a perfect quote that reminds us, inspires us. We have all started our journey with small steps. We dip our toes into a new arena. We practice that golf swing and overhead smash. Now, we can just keep practicing our swings and that's perfectly fine because that brings us joy. But we can also take a step up and elevate our game, be it sports or healthcare or anything. No, we are all allowed big things if we really want it and really work for it. I'm happy Prometheus's spark still shines on in all of us today. So that wraps up today's episode. Please go out and make this a great day, an incredible week for yourselves. Aim a little higher, do a little more, and give back in any way you can in 2021. There's so much each one of us can do. Now, please stay tuned. Follow in on this season because I have an incredible lineup of very special guests are simply willing to share their journeys into becoming thought leaders, folks who have the ideas and the guts to put it all out there for change in this space of healthcare. As always, I appreciate you diving into today with me. And if you want more information from me, go ahead and follow me on LinkedIn. I'll leave links to everything in the show notes below. Please continue staying safe and healthy, practice safety for one and all, during our collective life in the time of coronavirus. Thank you for listening in on today's episode, and I hope every week with me brings you closer to helping your providers paint a masterpiece. See you next Wednesday.